Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Buker and Friends podcast, co-starring 10-year NFL veteran and Super Bowl champion, Will Blackman. Bending from the end zone, he throws, and it's a fight away, it is picked off by Will Blackman, the former giant. Tim Dwight watches it hit, bounces, picks it up at the 10, slips a defender, fumbles the football, it's up for grabs, it's covered in the end zone by Will Blackman for a Green Bay touchdown! And now, here is your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. Welcome to another episode of Buecher and Blackman, subsidiary of Buecher and Friends, part of the United Wecast Network. I'm Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1. You can read me on Bleacher Report and you can follow me on Twitter at Rick Buecher. He is Will Blackman. You can also find him on FS1. You can, at least on an occasion, you can follow him on Twitter at Will Blackman, and you can attend a camp somewhere where he's going to drop his knowledge on you. And you can find me back on Instagram. And you can find him on Instagram, too. You're back on Instagram. And is that the simple at Will Blackman, or is it? Simple at Will Blackman. Beautiful. Yeah, I was was able to get it. And is there... So is there news behind you being back on Instagram? I, I don't remember news. you going off of Instagram. Or... I never. I haven't been on it in okay. a long time. Okay. What was what what inspired you to get off? You know what? I'm just a spontaneous type of person. So you just spontaneously got off, and now you're spontaneously getting. I back wanted on. the I wanted I wanted the people to miss me. <laughs> <laughs> and the that's people have spoken. That's what happens when you get a third child. No, no one spoke. I was like, ah, I'm over it. <laughs> <laughs> Just, no, no one cares. I'm going back yeah. anyway. You want to leave? Go ahead, buddy. Go do what you got to do. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, well, you brought up something that I, I – it just coincides with something that I had a long conversation with an NBA assistant coach about, which is training medical staffs. Uh, strength and conditioning coaches, the whole physical aspect and how it's been uh, hyper, it's, it's gained hyper attention uh, with with teams and with players in particular. And you brought up the idea of, of trainers, some of which, some of whom I know um, who work in, in the league, and they... Um, they kind of advertise the work that they do, particularly if they work with superstar players. And and I also know some guys who work with superstar players 
that don't advertise themselves. And so it was a subject you, you kind of brought up as something that you wanted to talk about. And I'm ready and willing because I do think it's an interesting aspect of where the modern game has gone in terms of having individual guys who work with individual players. Yeah, I mean, I'm, my thing is I'm the biggest supporter of guys training, guys who are training people, training players, especially at the high school level because I, I think all this training is, is essentially keeping these kids out of trouble. You hmm. know, because growing up, I never I never gone to a facility. I was always outside playing, which kept me out of trouble. So now these guys are getting great information, great feedback. They're training with pros. They're training with college guys, speaking about the high school kids. And now, you know, they're also – now these trainers are getting a – being able to help train professional guys, right? And I and I'm all like once again I'm a supporter of promoting it because it sells. Like I have a buddy uh, here who I went to school with. He lives in uh, California, and he's trained Mary J. Blige. He's trained Jake Gyllenhaal. He's trained hmm. uh, Luis Scola. He trained actually the whole Argentina basketball team. His name is Antonio Valverde. And you can find him on Instagram, Antonio Performance. And he's you know he's the type where he's kind of too chill, doesn't want to say anything. Yes. Almost like I respect the privacy. Yep. But I'm like, but I'm like, there's a there's a way to go about it because at the end of the day, it is a service, it is sales. You want to show people what you have been doing. Sure. sure. So, obviously, you I would say you can say say that you've done it, post whatever, maybe get a testimonial from the person, right? Which is like a huge validation. But there, you know, sometimes there's people where they they're like, okay, this guy is like this because he worked with me, right? Because he, you know, what I'm saying because he right. did this. When I when I trained before the combine, I mean, we had a bunch of guys show up who were already running four threes. Right. That's right. what they did. Right. You know, you might have adjusted. Maybe maybe you try to get them to run a four two, mm-hmm. but if they ran a four three, it's not because they were at your place. They always ran a four three. Mm-hmm. You know. Right. So I look at. I kind of came up with this whole with this met- method of. I guess each level of training. I feel like high school kids. When you train high school kids, it's more so like coordination. Mm-hmm. Help them help them be more athletic, you know. In, in that regards, when you get to college, when you train college players, it's more so. Okay, let's get them. Let's get them faster. Let's get them stronger. Let's let's you know raise their IQ a little more. And then when you're training professional guys, yeah. Speaking more so for football, you know. They just want to get in shape. You want to get them in shape. So it actually, so it actually works in reverse. You're actually doing more work, more refined work at the lower levels than you are with the pros. The pros is basically, I just need to get you to where you can do what you're capable of doing. Yeah, high not, school now, and college, I, it's more you're teaching them how to do some things. Right now, certain positions it depends because like a like if you're playing basketball, you can always work on your shot. It's a technical thing. Same thing for being a quarterback. Quarterbacks, you know, that's something you can constantly work on is throwing, throwing, throwing. But a receiver, you can always catch the ball. I feel like receiver, you either, you either have hands or you don't. Right, right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. You can work on your hands, but you're either a natural catcher or you're not. You know, and and also too. When you get to the pros, it's more so about heightening your IQ because everyone is super fast. Everyone is super strong. Right. Now, now so I, I like Ryan Clark is training guys, and uh, he has a company called DB Precision. And I'm a huge fan of what he, he does because when he's training his pro guys, yeah, they get all the good defensive back work and all the cool drills. 
but he is also raising their IQ. Hmm. He's putting video. He's putting videos out there where he's actually teaching X's and O's because mm-hmm. he was a successful safety himself, and that's where I'm like, okay, see, that's the difference. I would think that with receivers, that teaching. I mean, you do have the hands, but you can teach footwork and you can teach balance. Yeah, no, you, and you can exactly. teach and you can. and you can teach your like your eyes, like how to pick up yeah. things quicker, things things like that. I I would think that go beyond. And, and to a certain extent, I think you still have to have a natural ability to be able to play at the highest levels. I mean, you have to have good, you have to have good feet. You have to have you good do. balance, not, right? Not, yeah, because not to get taken out of context, you're you are one hundred percent right in all that. But let's say so, because I train def- defensive backs myself. Mm-hmm. Okay, now say if I'm training guys and Patrick Peterson hits me up and wants to work with me, right? It's like Patrick, Patrick Peterson is already like off the charts, just athletic. You know, if I help him with anything, it'll just it'll just give him more like, hey, I play safety, so I give him a safety perspective of X and O's or what certain things are to help right. him out there. You know, I trained a kid actually this offseason, this uh, combine, um, Sean Bunting out of Central Michigan. He went he went second round to the Bucks. We've talked about him before, I think, on the podcast. Yeah, he went second round to the Bucks. And he was, I mean, off the charts athletic. Hmm. I'm like, okay, I can do drills with him all day long. You know, it's not really going to benefit him. So let me just tell him the things that certain coaches will look for. And then we went straight to the classroom and I just helped him just mentally get ready. Like, here's certain things you want to look for. Here's certain things that they do. We went straight more. We did more, more heavy classroom work than we did field work. Yeah. With him. Right. So yeah. I'm not going to sit. And not, so... When he went and killed all the drills, killed all the combine stuff, and I got reports from GMs and scouts saying he was, man, he, he looked great, blah, blah, blah. And, and I'm not taking credit for his athletic ability. I didn't do that. That's him. Right. I made it like, I made it give him like certain things to look for that's going to actually help him be more consistent. But I don't know, man. It's interesting to me. It's funny because I, the, when, when you talk about this whole industry, the first guy I think of is Tim Grover, who was, who came, whose claim to fame was he was Michael Jordan's guy. And he parlayed that into a business after the fact uh, in in training with guys and training a variety of guys. Now, since then, I feel as if it's become a whole industry. And Tim wrote a book, and Tim's been very much. Oh, he, out he there. capitalized already. Yes, he did. He did. Um, there's another guy who works currently with a lot of guys who's at the other end of the spectrum. Um, Rob McClanahan, who. Rahab, you know him. He went to my high school. Okay, uh, you know he's worked with the the best of the best. Right. And but and I've talked to him at times, and I think I've even done a podcast with him once upon a time. But he like he's very clear on. He always talks about the clients. Like right. This is what I do with them, but he does it, and he talks about it in a way that it's. It puts the light on them. And uh, Damian Lillard is another guy I think has worked with a, a guy who's assistant coach. I think they first met at Weber State, I want to say. A guy named Phil Beckner. And and well, same thing with Phil when he talked about uh, Damian. And, but it was all about, you know, these are the things that I put him through. And he was showing up the next day or he was doing this and whatever. And was never, you know, I, this is what I did. 
<laughs> right? right? And as a result, Damien is who he is. I, I've right, never gotten had, that had, from those he guys. He had D. Rose also. That was like his main, one of the main uh, guys. Rob, yeah. Rob, yeah. Rob you know, had, he had, Rose, he had, he had and Kevin Durant, yeah. And Russ Westbrook. I mean, Russ right. and... I I was in Santa Monica. I was in the little Santa Monica high school gym when D Rose and Russ Westbrook would be going at each other, and the Lopez twins would be going at each other at the other end and kicking chairs and throwing throwing things when one of them would win or lose, and then the older brother would take the one that was acting up too much and like put him up against the wall. The, the Lopez twins were worth watching <laughs> work out all by themselves. It was. Uh, it, it was it was theater for sure. So this is the thing I you would be able to address this how because I I've had this conversation and actually there's a uh, NBA trainer who has worked with my son and uh, try to make this as brief as possible. We were in Vegas and my son wanted to get up shots and the trainer okay. called me and said. Does you and I so I called him and I said, Hey, do you know where there's a gym? My, my son wants to get up some shots while we're here. And and he said, uh, Let me check. And so then I got a call one night and he says, Does your son still want to get up shots? And I said, Yeah. And he said, Okay, we're going to be at the track at 7 a.m. tomorrow because before we go shoot, we're going to work out. <laughs> and and it really, you know, I to me, that's that's tremendous. We're not going to just take you a gym where you get to shoot. It's like, we're going to see how committed you are. You're going to show up at a track at 7 a.m. in Vegas. Then I know that my my finding a gym for you and my, my time with you in the gym is worth it. So my son gets out there and they run, they run quarters. They run a sub, they have to run a sub, sub six mile to, to warm up. And, uh, and he's holding his own. In fact, the trainer even goes, he goes, is your uh, sub six mile to warm up? Yeah. How about that? But it was <laughs> Vegas. Too. It was Vegas too. Um, we had to do, we had to do two sub six. We had to do two miles in under 12, first day of training camp for uh, soccer in college. And you could basically couldn't practice unless you passed that. That was, that was the thing. That, and that, you know what the, the, the worst part for me was, like if I'm running with somebody, I can do that fairly comfortably. Uh-huh. If I've got to do it all by myself, it was right. the hardest thing in the world to train for that. Dude, uh, I, did, I did repeat 200 Saturday morning, but I had a bunch of friends with me. So that made it, yeah, that made it easier because I had people with me. You know, we push each other. Right. So, finish the story. When he took my son into the gym, um, he was showing him, and he's worked with a lot of guys. He was basically showing him, uh, if even if you don't have pure pure blow by speed, you can play angles where all you need is a quick step and if you know how to play angles you can get the same advantage on a defender basically 100 percent. you can turn that right 100 percent. and that's that was the question i had for you whether and whether that still applies in 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 football that if you know how to play angles you can compensate you don't have to be the fastest guy out there right you if, if you know how to play angles you you can make yourself a lot faster Right, and you know what? That helped. When I moved to receiver after playing defensive back for three years, I knew every way how to gain an advantage, especially playing receiver in the ACC. I went against a defensive back every week who ran a 4-3 or a 4-2. Hmm. 
four three minimum. I had a guy who I lined up against looked at me before the snap and said, "You know, I run a four three, right?" That's a tr- that's a fact. That is a true story. We were playing Maryland, and he looked right in the face before the snap, and he was like, "You know, I run a four three, right?" I was like, "What?" I looked at Matt. I looked at Matt Ryan, and I was like, "I was like, dude." Check fade. Let's go. Let's yeah, go. Yeah. So my thing was, so all these guys want, I was, you know, I was six one, So I was, I wouldn't say taller, but taller than most DBs. Right. And so I knew if a DB wanted to play press, mm-hmm. I'd win 10 out of 10 times. Hmm. Because all I had to do was make them adjust a little bit at the line mm-hmm. and stack them, which means I get right in front of them and they are stuck behind me. So right. now they right. have to work exactly. Now they now have they to work, work around extra, you. Yeah, we have to work extra yes. hard to get around me and now I can run any route I want. Yes. Will I would see- imme- I would immediately go for the stack. And so it was done deal. So I'm like, "Please press me." Right. Because I know what to do. Right. Right. Cuz all you, now now it's a matter of it's more, it's more a little bit of hand fighting, right? You're just trying to throw them a little bit of off, off balance. So you get that step around them or past them, so that now they're on your back. Yeah. So exactly. So once I get once I get them on my back, now it's like they're in disadvantage because right. Matt, Matt. I had Matt Ryan. He threw a dime every time, so he could just throw it over my shoulder, and I had long arms. So they had no chance yeah. of, of getting the football. So to your point, a lot of these a lot of these DBs are most all DBs were faster than me, mm-hmm. you know. And I I ran a you know a four four, but right. these guys were track guys. Lightning. Yeah. Yeah. The you. You, but you see the same thing now in basketball all the time in the pick-and-roll situations. Fred Van Vliet is the first guy that I think of. And, and Steve Nash was great at this, you know, was the first guy that I saw who did this really well. And it was the same thing. I, and Andre Miller, I mean, I could go down the line of guys that did this who weren't necessarily fast, but they would get the screen and they would get the guy on their hip and then they just they'd work their way in front of them so that now the guy defending them is is on their back and and they'd slow down and then speed up so that they're they're breaking toward the basket and the defender now has to wait until they make that move because otherwise they're going to run them right up their back. And it's almost more difficult to guard guys who weren't that fast. Yeah, because they actually they actually paid attention to those angles. Right. 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 Where if I had a guy who was blazing speed, I'm like, okay, I got to take away one route. And that's right. the goal route. Right. Because <laughs> that's what he's looking for. That's what he's looking for. Yeah. yeah. It's always, it's interesting to me how guys that have that blaze, because you, I, this was always the thing for me. If you have the blazing speed and then you combine that with the discipline. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Of having the footwork, then you would be unstoppable. You'd have both. And it just seems to me a lot of guys who have that great speed just get comfortable. I think Russ Westbrook, to me, is 
is the basketball demonstration of that. Like he's been able to go by guys or or just stop on a dime and pull up. And so the little intricacies of everything else, he hasn't had the same need to develop those to the same level. He's 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 much smarter basketball player than people give him credit for. Right. But there's some nuances that I see other guys have that I just think, man, if Russ had those combined with his physical skills, he he would be unstoppable. And I think maybe that's why people ha- have been critical in ways because they see the physical ability and the other part of it has been it just hasn't come along at the same uh, at the same level. Even if he won, you know, MVP and all that stuff. Yeah, look, I, again, it's for me it's a matter of when he won MVP and he won MVP largely because of the triple double, largely because of the 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 the, the, the energy with which he plays, uh, the relentlessness with which he plays, but because of the position that he plays, and because he has the ball in his hands as much right. as he does, right? Yeah. To me, it's a matter of you can't just you can't just be good. You have to make other guys good. And I think that he does to a certain extent, but not to the level that we see some other guards that make the game easy for right. other guys. LeBron, and, and, and it's, it's funny, LeBron is similar in that LeBron plays really well with smart veteran players. But that's because that allows him to do what he wants to do and they can play off of him. As opposed to how good can he make a Kyle Kuzma and a Josh Hart and an and Alonzo Ball who who don't have that same level of IQ. Like how can I find my way to making the game easy for them? That's where and I'm look, we're talking like PhD level basketball here and being able to do that. But to me, that's that's an element that Russ has never fully developed and that I, you know, I mean, LeBron, LeBron could win with anybody for sure. Could he win a championship with anybody? I, certainly, I don't think so at this point in his career. Maybe but at it, some point earlier. But I feel like in sports, it's always, it's always situational. Like you have to, it has to be like right place, right time, right system, right mm-hmm. setting. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's not... I feel like a player can't just go there yeah. and walk into a situation where he's like, okay, this looks good. I'm going to get this done. Right, like, right, that's right, not right. Happening. He's going he's gonna to elevate the entire yeah, thing even, regardless of yeah. who's there. You yeah, know, you're right. When, like, when Peyton Manning went to the Broncos, he brought all his people like, okay, this is what I need around me right. from, right. from pre- preparation-wise to, to be right. But that's also – you look at the, at, at the point in which Peyton was in his career then. He needed that more than ever. It's interesting you say that. Yeah, but I, he still broke every record. For sure, for sure. But I'm just th- that actually parallel works for me with LeBron. I think LeBron. I think there was a. I think there were the variables around him and what he could make. He could be successful with. I mm-hmm. think there was a wider range five years ago, six years ago than there was now. Like now, I think he has to have certain things just to be competitive. He needs okay. shooters around him. He needs right. he needs high IQ guys. He needs he needs defenders around him. 
because right. he's not going to be expending a whole lot of energy at that end of the floor. So uh, I, I think that's I think that's apt when it comes to when it comes to Peyton. Um, but speaking of new guns, the I've just seen glimpses, and I, I want to start here because we're we're kind of into training camp now, and you know the NFL Network and ESPN, various places are are doing their training camp tours, and I don't I don't know how much to make of what we see in training camp. As someone who's been in training camps, and I don't know how much. First of all, when you're in training camp, how much do you see of the coverage of training camp? Are you guys watching anything on TV to see how your team is being covered? Well, it's on all day, every day, in it, the facilities anyway. So, so you can't miss it. Yeah, you can't miss it. It's on the locker rooms, on the training room, it's on in the equipment room, it's on in the play development room, it's on the lunch room, it's everywhere. And and, <laughs> so. and, and how often and how often are guys watching it thinking either uh the, Either there's a misrepresentation, how, the the accuracy of what you're seeing and what is being said. How how accurate is it based on what is actually going on? Um, I think most guys when they watch it, they just want to see what certain guys look like. So say like the the draft picks, what mm-hmm. do those guys look like? If there are were some huge free agent signings, what did he, like right now you see Odell's everywhere, you know? Right. Guys want to see like what's he doing? You know, what does he look like on his new team? You know, new head coaches. Just just we want to see what's going on. What what happened different? Most especially if it's in your division. Right. So I think in terms of like all the details that's going on, all the whatever you want to call it. It's, I don't, I can't speak for the, everybody, but the, the majority, yeah. the majority aren't really paying attention. Now, now if you have someone on your team that's holding out yeah, and you know, like the story of what's going on, that's where it's interesting. Cause you might hear stuff like, Oh, this guy does that. This guy does that. And then, right. you know, you may just have lunch with the dude. And I'm like, that's not, that's not really what's going on. When I was in Green Bay, I remember Nick Collin was holding out. You know, to to get paid safeties in, on the Packers. Well, isn't it? There's a there's a lineman with the Washington Redskins right now. Yeah, Trent Williams. Yeah, who's holding out? I, I don't know if he's. Uh, apparently, he's not holding out. Apparently, he just doesn't want to be there. Yes, that that's. I saw that report, and I saw you respond to that on Twitter with the with the eyeballs. Because there's always always something going on with the with with the Washington Redskins. Yeah, it's yeah. like that's. I mean, Trent Williams is. He's he is the one of the probably the most talented left tackle in the game, but <laughs> since I've been there, he has been banged up. Right, and I know he's like frustrated, like damn dude, like like what what do I got to do? Like what's up? Why can't I stay healthy? <laughs> and in his case, the way it's looking like in the reports, why can't they help me stay healthy? Yeah, because every year it is something. It is something, you know, tragic and. He he is easily one of the toughest guys I've been around because I seen I seen him with some horrible injuries and he he had to be out there though. Were you ever conscious of a rift between the coaching staff and the medical staff? Conscious of a rift? Yeah, like there was just where where you got the sense that there was a rub between the two. And the reason I bring this up is because 
I had a conversation with uh, an NBA assistant coach, and we were talking about the whole, you know, rest and and uh, keeping guys, you know, not overworking guys has become a big emphasis in the NBA. And he feels, and I get the sense I've I've, I've heard rumblings of this from other coaches that. Coaches in the NBA feel like this has been taken way too far. And it's because the investment in medical, in the medical staffs, in the training staffs, in the strength and conditioning, the facilities, everything has been, there's, there's been a, a great emphasis on the health of the players, which certainly is, is, is a good idea. But that as a result, the medical staffs have, more authority than the coaching staffs do. And they're like, that's fine for guys who are 30s or guys who are dealing with injuries. But now we have this thing where we got 24 and 25-year-olds that we, we can't practice hard because we have to be conscious of the wear and tear. And they're like, we, we can't get our jobs done. And these guys, there's at least a, a, a theory among coaches, some coaches, that one of the reasons that guys are getting hurt is because they're not conditioned to play. That there's too much of there's 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 too much rest. There's too much we're either we're either either training, we're either conditioning or we're playing and there's not enough actual practice that that trains guys to play the game. Um I would say that for the especially nowadays I want to say maybe the past like 8 years mm-hmm. Guys have been on the on the same page um, as the head coach. Uh, for example, let's take let's take the Seahawks, right? Pete Carroll, he wants he's he's extremely player friendly. Like everything is about the players. Like to make sure, for example, the equipment manager Eric Kennedy has no budget. It's like, what do they need? Get whatever they want. Hmm. He has he has a Pete Carroll has a mental performance coach. He has um, a director of health performance and right. Sam Ramsden and Sam, he, they, him, Sam and Pete and John will talk. He's like, Hey, these, this is, this is how hard the guys are working. Maybe we should back off today hmm. because at the end of the day, everyone needs to be healthy. Right. Guys are going to get in shape. So they're going to, they're going to work like, especially in Seattle. They, those dudes work hard. It was hands down one of the hardest practices. Well, that see, I've that was going to be my other question, which is just how much of a variation is there from team to team when it comes to the way they practice? Like, if the Seahawks practice hard, if that's the way Pete approaches things, knowing that he pushes hard, then I could see where he's going to, and as long as it's, he knows it's kind of, he's the one who's making the ultimate decisions. I th- the, the rub here is, when coaches are being told by the medical staff what they can do, as opposed to having a plan and then listening to the medical staff when the medical staff says, "Hey, you might want to like take a day light," right? Yeah, and, and that's and that they're always on the same page. The, the funniest, the funniest thing for me was when I was in New York, hmm. and you know, I was always a everyone's especially when you're young, you're always afraid to let the head coach know, like, "Oh, I'm not feeling well. I can't practice today." Like, you don't you don't want to say that, especially like I wasn't I was brought up where, "Hey, you you're tough. You got to go and deal right. with it." So in New York, I had Coach Coughlin, and I was like, "Man, you know, my knee's not feeling right. I don't want to I don't want to say anything to him." So right. the head the head uh, trainer over there was uh, Ronnie Barnes, and Ronnie's like, "Don't worry about it. I'll tell Coughlin." 
I'm like, really? He goes, yeah. He's like, trust me, I'll tell him. I'll tell him you're not practicing today and for him to leave you alone. <laughs> and, 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 that's, and it's funny because then you see Coughlin, you know, wander in there, you know, always thinking. He's like, right. hey, what's up? What's up with Will? He's like, well, his knee's not feeling well today, so he's not practicing. And that was it. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> and he couldn't say anything about it. You know, you, you hire the medical team because, because you trust that they're going to do everything they do to make sure everyone's healthy. Because right. it, it, that's how it is. You, you have to be healthy. That, the, when the Panthers went to the Super Bowl, I mean, they were a talented team. But the one thing that people never mention is that team was extremely healthy. They had yeah. everybody, you wow. know. We, the last couple of NBA championships, we've seen them determined. Yeah, the the this last oh, yeah, Super I mean, this, exactly this last right. Super Bowl, you know, Todd Gurley can't is not Todd Gurley. How much of this uh, of a difference does that make? Right, same thing. The NBA Finals. I mean, yeah. no, I yeah, I mean that's that's kind of what got me going on on this whole conversation on on training and the. You know the the influence that medical staffs have, and how you come to making decisions on a guy like like Kevin Durant and and having him play. Or and excuse me, Ronnie Barnes is the senior vice president of medical services. He is not just the head. Of the oh, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Because I'm so, like Ronnie. Ronnie's bigger than that, man. My, Ronnie is bigger than that. He's he's the man. Did you ever have to? Did you ever have to go see a a, a coach? Because we talked about. Like not wanting to go into the training uh, training room because that wasn't always a positive. It, most coaches are going to look at it and it's going to be a ding on you, right? Well, yeah. Well, especially when I, once I left New York, and it was hard for me to get a a job. Yeah. Because everyone was concerned with my health. I got you. the next the next job I got, it was, I was staying the hell away from that training room. Right. Right. What do you, what do you, what are you getting? Aspirin? It's like no, I'm getting a cotton ball. <laughs> no, I was really getting aspirin. <laughs> really, you were just getting aspirin? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's all you can get. That's available. You can't just can't just walk in and grab the good stuff. Okay, I was just because yeah. because I I was uh, I, I caught a little bit. Bill Simmons had Kevin Costner uh, on and was talking to him about uh one of the watch the, Yellowstone the movies that he did what. Watch Yellowstone? Did I watch Yellowstone? Did you? No, I can't say that I did. No, it's a TV show, so you definitely have not been I watching. Have not, <laughs> I have not been watching Yellowstone. Is Costner in it? It's his. He's the head guy. What is it? What is it about? I haven't even. I've never even heard of Yellowstone. Oh my goodness! Is it? What's it on? Is it HBO? Is it Netflix? What is it? It's on like Paramount or something like that. <laughs> You, I don't know. You can find it though. It's, well, it's, I guess it's, I'm gonna. It's actually, it's actually pretty good. It's like the. I think it's the number one show right now on TV. I'm catch. I'm still catching up on Narcos right now. Are you really? I yes. I just I tried. It's like someone's either getting. Either there's a relation. Yeah. Or someone's dying. Yeah. Well, we just I, watched. I was, I was tired of seeing all the love scenes. I'm like, come on, man. Like. Yeah. We watched. We we just watched an episode where a guy was pulled apart. With he was, he had each limb tied to a rope that was tied to a motorcycle, and they went in four different directions. And my daughter was like, "What, what happened? T- tell me what happened. I would play it back, whatever." And we're like, "No, you're gonna have nightmares if we play this. Play this." For yeah, look it up though. It's on Paramount. I will. I will check that out. All right. You know what? 
that does it for this episode of Buker and Blackman. It's good to, so, good to solid. catch up with you again. We, yeah, we missed last week because I think you were on the road. You were going someplace. Or no, you had you had to do radio. Yeah. That was it. And so since we're on a, a truncated schedule right now, when we miss our window, we miss our window. So it's good to catch up with you again. Uh, we, in the next episode, I'm continuing my Buker friendless run of talking about stories from Oracle Arena, what is now the Warriors' old home, and the experiences I had there covering the team and the league and uh, a little bit of how it shaped me as a, as a reporter going forward. And so we're going to get into the meat of the Latrell-Sprewell-Byron-Houston battle and uh, a number of other things that happened uh, in that building uh, PJ PJ Carlissimo and, and Spree. Spree's kind of in the center of a few things that happened there that were uh, notable. And then hopefully if this is just part three and we don't need a part four, I can get into when I came back and I was actually a sideline reporter uh, for the Warriors for a couple of years when Mark Jackson came in. So get into all that in the next podcast. Uh, don't forget, we appreciate all of you who are rating the show. Uh, you continue to do that leaps and bounds. Uh, if you want us to do something for you, screenshot that review and then send it to at Buker Friends and you'll be eligible to win some prizes. So in the meantime, for Will and myself, as always, thanks for listening. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.